man, we've got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time, so I'm going to just kind of jump right into it. Uh, man, the last two weeks have been kind of crazy for us. I know I've said that a few times, but uh, as most of you know, I had a, an oddball spine injury, a herniated disc in my back, um, and I've never had any back issues, so it's, this is all brand new to me. Uh, some of you have had them and you're familiar, uh, but man, it, it kind of shakes, rocks your whole world, like it really gets your attention. Spine's apparently really important <laughs> to everything that I do. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, so what I started thinking about, when, and I titled this message, uh, my favorite Mike Tyson quote is, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Um, and I love that quote because uh, I can really relate to it in many ways because every time I think I've got things figured out, something else happens that I didn't expect, and then I have to kind of reevaluate everything and start over again. Uh, and I think that's what's good about uh, Christ teaching us to renew our minds is that, okay, well, this is a little different. Now we have to adjust and change. Now we renew our minds to this reality again. Um, but what's great is I, you kind of come full circle. You, you, you kind of run into things, and then you come all the way back, and you go, okay, well, this is right back where I was. I still... I still know the Lord's for me. I still understand that that that, um, that I'm going to get through this, whatever it is, um, and it's going to be okay. But even for your pastor, it takes me a little while to get it. My mind's still being renewed too. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of take you through briefly, as briefly as I can, uh, kind of what went on. <clears throat> I, just, I woke up one morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, got up to walk around, and then went and laid back in bed. About 6.30 woke up, and I couldn't walk. My whole leg was in excruciating pain. And uh, it was from my back, but it had pinched my sciatic nerve in my leg. And it's still numb and still hurts, but it's a lot better since I had an epidural the other day. But before that happened, uh, Tracy and I have committed to, and our family had committed to do this kind of house swap thing with my mother-in-law um, and, and fixing up the house and doing this. This is a long process. Well, a lot of that, pretty much the majority of it, is hinged on me being able to do a lot of the work. Um, I'm not the best at everything, but I can figure things out, and I do a lot of stuff. And so, in my mind, I can do anything. Um, and so, so when this happened, I mean, we're right in the middle of this whole thing. I mean, we're deep in this whole project and about to move that, this, that coming up weekend when it happened. And, I mean, I was just, like, falling apart. Like, I don't know what's going to, how are we going to do this? And everybody's looking at me, how are we going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. We just got to do it. Um, and I, I was really, really, really taken back. Um, see, we already started. <laughs> really taken back by how many people came out to help us move. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I know everybody could be out there, but I didn't really push or that I thought of really push or ask a lot of people because it was Labor Day weekend. I thought, I'm not going to bug people on Labor Day weekend. So I just, I told a few people, I was like, hey, we're going to be moving if you want to come. And I thought people come for an hour or two and then leave or whatever. And there was, no lie, an army at our house with trucks and trailers and men (laughs) and women and everybody just working very hard to move us all weekend, Labor Day weekend. I mean, and I was thinking about it as I was praying uh, this morning. And I remember being young and praying for an older brother. I had a, a sister and my mom is who I lived with. And I remember praying for an older brother because I pretty much figured I wouldn't have a father figure in my life. And I thought, and I remember thinking if I could just walk or ride my bike to the, they had like a big brother program somewhere. Like I wonder if I could just sign myself up and get a big brother because I wanted a big brother. And <clears throat> And I've never had a real strong family structure, but I've got such a, such a big family now with lots of big brothers and sisters. And I just don't know what I'd do without you guys. And it was very humbling. 
and eye-opening to see other people moving all my stuff. And if you've ever moved, you've probably experienced some of that. But for me, I, I wasn't supposed to be lifting anything. I had to watch everybody work. And that's hard for me to do. But at any rate, I just put that out there. I, I cannot express how much I love and, and appreciate you guys for everything you guys did. Took the time. How do y'all's weekend to do that? All right, moving along. So we get through the weekend. And we've got a bunch of stuff moved. I have no idea where half my stuff is, but we got it all moved. Um, and so we got everything moved, and then uh, the week progressed, and we get to I get go through a lot of pain, a lot of x-rays, MRIs, all that stuff, and my work is all messed up. Everything's kind of upside down, and we're living in a different place, you know, and on a concrete floor at this point, and we're all living in one room, and kids are fighting, and normal everyday family stuff. And then, uh, <laughs> everyday Benoit normal stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, oh, thank you. Cry, I need to replenish my tears. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so then we get to, I'll fast forward for time purposes. We get to yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Now, let me, let me preface this too is, I had a plan. I did have a plan for this whole move thing. In my mind, I didn't necessarily share it with everybody, but I had a plan, but it, it, it was a lot on me doing more things, and it just didn't work out. That didn't work out. That plan didn't work out. We get to yesterday, and we had a plan. I was going to go to Lowe's early in the morning. Uh, Tracy likes to sleep in. I like to wake up early. I was going to give her a break, let her sleep in, and I was going to go to Lowe's and grab a few things and come back. So I get up, I drive to Lowe's, get to Lowe's, realize I don't have my wallet. And we don't live like I, we, we say we, people make fun of us say we go into town. They're like, where do you live? Like the boonies? I'm like, no, it takes a while to get into town from where we are. We're almost a dolphin. We're south of here, almost a dolphin island. And uh, so I'm like, it takes a long time. So I get there and I don't have a wallet and I'm really frustrated. So I've got to drive all the way back and get my wallet. I drive all the way back to get my wallet. And so at that point, everybody's up. And I'm like, well, we might as well just go as a family now at this point. Um, and so I wait for everybody to get ready. And um, we all load up and then we go into town and, uh, so we, we kind of have a plan at that point. Well, then we get a call from a friend of ours who's having uh, an impromptu birthday party that nobody's showing up to, and they would want to know if the girls could go, the little girls. And we're like, sure. So we meet them, and they go with them. And then we and then Trinity, my oldest daughter, has stayed the night with a friend, and they're going to go shopping somewhere, so they're out shopping. So I'm like, sweet. Now me and Tracy have time to, like, spend together. It's going to be great. So we go where all married couples go to Costco <laughs> to go get a churro. And so we go to Costco, and... and uh, we're walking around. We go to a couple other stores or whatever, and and uh, then we get a call from my next door neighbor who Trinity's with her and her daughter in absolute panic, running out of breath, and she's screaming that they were they were at Walmart and they said somebody had a gun and they're running out the back, and so I mean, you talk about a daddy freaking out. So we left the basket. I mean, we bolted, jumped in the car, said we're coming, we're, we're on the way. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're on the way, and uh, so we tear off that way and. They walked from Tillman's Corner Walmart. They went all the way to AutoZone. Do you know where AutoZone is? Like a mile down the road. And went in there, them and several other people, and locked the door to AutoZone. Um, and so we, we get in there and we get them. And, I mean, just heart-wrenching, you know, just looking for your daughter. You don't, you don't know what's happened. And, you know, she's upset, obviously. And she runs to me shaking and, and gives me a big hug and doesn't let me go. And, and there is absolutely nothing I wouldn't have done to, to find my daughter in that moment. I mean, you know if you're a parent. There was nothing to trace. It's like, you better slow down your ticket. They can follow me there. <laughs> they give me as many tickets as they want it. AutoZone. But, uh, 
But anyway, it, come, it wasn't a shooter. It was a crazy person with a car, and, and, uh, but people panicked, and somebody said gun. I don't know what happened, but all I knew was there was danger, and I didn't, I didn't have my daughter with me. So it was, it was very chaotic for a little while there for both of us. Um, and so <laughs> we get her, and we, we managed to pick up our other two kids after that birthday party and then go to the Venetas for having a birthday party. So we go to the Venetas. Well, we don't have time to go back home at this point because everything's kind of turned upside down. So we have to go find some bathing suits because they have a water slide. And so we go to try to find bathing suits. And they only have two that match. And the kids don't want them to match. <laughs> anyway, we're late. So we get on the interstate. And apparently there's a hurricane coming. And the interstate's blocked up. I mean, I know. So we try to get off an early exit. And the road's blocked. With I don't know if there's a wreck or something. And the road's blocked. So we get back on the interstate. And we get out there. So anyway, long story short, everything's upside down. All, nothing worked as planned. We, we, it still worked out. I mean, not, it wasn't, like, detrimental. But the whole point is <laughs> our plans just kind of went almost for the last two weeks. Everything that we've tried to plan has gone upside down. And so I want to talk about being punched in the face today. <laughs> uh, I also get here today, and the printer's locked up in an office and a key that I should have. And so I emailed it to myself, so I've got my sermon on my phone, so I might be reading tiny. Another plan that didn't work out. That's my fault. Uh, <laughs> so when I was thinking about all this, I was going back to what I preached a couple Sundays ago in John and, and really thinking about, especially about the Trinity thing, about how, how a father treats his kids and how a father loves his kids and, uh, and how the Holy Spirit really communicates that to us currently, like on a day-to-day basis. And I'm back in John 16, 5, and we're going to kind of go all the way through. And I'll preface it with all John 14 and 15. Uh, is basically all talking about, I'm not going to go all the way through it, but he's constantly, if you, if you have time, go back through John at least 15 um, later on and look at how many times it says Father in there. How many times he references God as Father instead of just God. And you have to think about the position that they're in and how radical this thinking is that he's calling God Father, 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 Father. He says it so many times. It has to be kind of um, not just annoying but frustrating to the Pharisees and some of the people that, that don't see God as Father. They see him as something else. So I think that he's doing this for a purpose. He's pushing this Father thing to us, um, and I think he's doing it for a reason. In John sixteen five, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, and we went through this a couple weeks ago, of sin, because they, not the disciples, not you, people who are lost, because they uh, do not believe in me. Uh, of righteousness, this is where we got a couple weeks ago, we're convicted of righteousness. Righteous because I go to the Father and you see me no more. So he's talking to them, talking to disciples. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Talking about Satan and sin, death, and hell. So he's talking about three things there. The lost people are going to be convicted of sin. Now here's, here's something I want you to remember. And uh, in verse 8 he says, he will convict the world of sin. He's talking about lost people. That's not your job. It's not my job. This is really important because I think the church has really gotten this off and really felt the need to convict people of sin. I, from personal experience, needed no convincing that I was sinning when I was sinning. 100% positive I was doing bad stuff. Zero doubt in any of that. 
I had plenty of people telling me that, and I didn't need to be reminded, <laughs> and then none of it helped me. None of it. And I'm telling you, 20 years of my life I spent sinning and being bad and knowing it, and then people telling me that I was bad never helped me. Reminds me a lot of the music I listen to. I, most of you know I listen to country music. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I listen to gangster rap. No, I do listen to rap music. I grew up listening to rap music. It's, I just love it. It's poetic to me. I love the wordplay. I love the entendres. I love everything about it. I love the beats. It's just what I grew up. But all of the, the music that I really identified with when I was younger, uh, I identified with because of, I guess, the struggle that I was in and the environment that I was in. I went... I went. I was the minority in my school that I went to. I was the white kid in the black school, really, and and, and I related better um, to, I guess, a lot of the struggles as far as being being poor and being in. I mean, we were in government-assisted housing. I was living with my mom and my sister. My dad ran out on us, and so a lot of the rap music I listened to was a father. Were father figures to me. They were uh, men, and and for me to be tough and to be big and bad, and that's what I wanted. But here's the thing. They never gave me a solution to the problem. They identified with the issue, but they never gave me a solution. They never gave me a way out. I felt it because I felt I can relate to this. I can, I understand it because I'm in, I'm, I'm in the midst of it, but none of them gave me a way out. They just perpetuated the problem and could identify with it. This is why I love a lot of the music I listen to now, and I don't listen to just Christian music, but a lot of the Christian music I listen to now identifies with the issue but gives you a solution. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus constantly identified with people's issues and with their problems and parables and then gave them a solution to them. This is your job is to give people a solution. <laughs> this is our job is to show people the way, the truth, and the life. It's not our job to convict people of sins. what the Holy Spirit does. God designed us from the very beginning. And this is what's important. We have to understand that Jesus wasn't a backup plan. I know I say it a lot, but that's what I always understood it as. Jesus was a backup plan because we screwed everything up in the beginning. God knew from the beginning that Jesus was going to come. He said from the beginning he was, he was in him. He was the I am. He was in the very beginning. Christ was, was going to come through that. It, it wasn't a backup plan at all. God the Father loves you. And this is why he keeps saying Father, 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 Father. It's because he wants them to know it's not just him. He is in the Father. The Father is him. In a couple, uh, I think in 14 or 15, he talks about, they're like, we want to see the Father. We want to see this Father you keep telling us about, show him. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's trying to show them there's something going on here bigger than what they see. And so he goes on to say, we're going to convict them all that. We're going to conv I'm going to convict the world of sin. That's his job. I convict you of righteousness, which is his job too. He's convict you of righteousness, and he's going to judge the rule of this world. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, listen to this, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, take a step back. What did he say earlier? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? So he's taking what is mine and giving it to you. So he's saying, even what the Father's will be yours. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Verse, six, verse 16, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me, because I go to the Father. <laughs> now you see me, now you don't. Now you see me. Verse 17, then some of his disciples among, uh, said among themselves, what is, he, <clears throat> what is this he says to us? A little while and you'll see me, and a little while you won't, um, and then you will see me, and because I go to the Father. Now he ends it with, I go to the Father. There it is again. They said, they said therefore, <clears throat> what, is it, what is it that he says, a little while? 
we do not know what he's saying. They're basically confused. They're saying, we don't get it. We don't know what he's talking about. Verse 19, Jesus knew, because he's Jesus, he knew what they were thinking, um, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves uh, about what I said? A little while, you'll see me, and we'll look. And again, in a little while, uh, in a little, I'm sorry, I can't even say it. I'm confused too, Jesus, explain it. Verse 20, most assuredly I say to you that you will, you will weep and you will be sad, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Now listen to this. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world because of the joy that there's been a human being born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take away from you. So he's equating this to, to childbirth. So what, I think what the people were seeing on the cross looked like death, but was actually more like birth. There was something happening there that was life. Life was coming from that. It wasn't just death. How many of you, if you, if you dropped someone in a labor room, like someone, like an alien or something in a labor room, and saw a woman having labor, you would think they might be dying? Yes. <laughs> yes. I did not have an epidural. Side note, I tried to convince Tracy to <laughs> I tried to convince Tracy to not have any kind of, like have a natural birth and not have like any drugs or anything. Because theologically I thought it's gonna be so great because you will you'll experience all the pain, but when the baby's born, it's gonna be so euphoric and it's gonna be like you're gonna forget about it all and she was like, No. I want where's the doctor? I want the drugs. <laughs> you know? So I was I was ignorant. I was ignorant. That was a dumb thing to say. And I apologize. <laughs> a, lot of us, a lot of us think in theory. We don't think in reality too much. In hindsight, I passed kidney stones, and I agree with her. Give me the drugs. All right. And I've just recently had a terrible back injury. So anyway, this sounds bad. I'm a bad, bad pastor. What are you talking about? All right. Verse 21, uh, verse 23. And, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, um, whenever you ask the Father... Listen to this, verse 23. And in that day you will ask me nothing. That's interesting. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father. You see the switch there. Now, now we get to ask the Father? How, now, how do we ask the Father without going through Jesus? That can't be right. We can't get to the Father except through Jesus, Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that we see that it's not just, it's not just a, a, a side note or a, or a back thought. Tell me you call them back here in church. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, this isn't just an afterthought or anything. He's planned this from the very beginning. Do you know that we serve a triune God? It's, it's, Holy, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're the same. He's saying, he says this to them because they need to understand that they have a loving Father. This is important to all people that we understand that we have a loving Father. It's not just a, a, geo, a geopolitical thing that they were expecting Listen, this is, we're, deep, we're deep down this road of them being confused. <laughs> He's addressed issues with the disciples for a very long time, and they're very confused. He's kind of getting to the end, hoping that they finally get it, and speaking more plainly, plainly to them so that they can get it, because they wanted a geopolitical leader to come in and defeat Rome and to make them the, the superpower and do all the things that they thought that they needed to be done. But he didn't do that. He did what actually needed to be done and defeated sin, death, and hell. So he's trying to get them to see this, and in order for them to see this, they have to know who they are. And what I said earlier, what the Holy Spirit was leading me to say about um, being instead of doing, this is what's the key, is we have to know that we're sons. Before you can ever do anything, you have to know who you are. 
And there's been so much pressure by the world to perform as far as, as get to the top. And success, I think, needs to be redefined in the Christian's mind, too. Success looks like money, house, whatever. Success looks different. None of that brings you joy. And you can see very wealthy people that will prove that to you. It doesn't bring you joy. It's not just money. I'm not saying you can't have money. I like money. Whatever. I'm just saying that can't be where you find your joy. Success isn't just in things. Joy is actually found in relationship, as we've discovered. I'm preaching another sermon, sorry. Um, So in that day, you will ask me nothing. This is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What the world thought, well... Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just, uh, yes, go to 25. These things I've spoken to you in in figurative language, but the time is coming when I no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you in plain, I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. Do you hear this? Because you have loved me and, and have believed that I came from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into this world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Seems a little repetitive, but he continues to, to, to get us, to point us towards the Father. Verse 29, his disciples said to him, See, now see now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. They're like, finally, you're just talking to us and we understand. Now you're speaking plainly and we get it. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came from that you came forth from God, Jesus answered them, Do <clears throat> do you now believe? Indeed the hour is coming, yes has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone. Now hear this. Each of you will scatter and you will leave me alone. This is Jesus speaking, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. What is he showing them here? He's not by himself, the Father's with him. He's explaining how we are going to operate with the Holy Spirit. He's demonstrating it. He's explaining how it's going to be with us. He's saying, you guys are going to leave and I'm going to be by myself. But wait a minute, I'm not by myself. The Father's with me. We're together all the time. Verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen, I'm reminded of the, the storm with all the hurricane talk going on, and then with the disciples being scattered too, I'm reminded of the storm when the disciples were in the boat and uh, we get a toss and turn, the storm raised up. They were trying to get across to the other side. They had a plan. Don't die and get across the other side. That was basically their plan. It wasn't a complicated plan. Get in the boat. Don't die. Get to the other side. That was the basics of their plan. This sounds like the first 20 years of my life. Don't die and just make it. Um, but that was all they had. Well, then the storm raises up. There's, there, now there's a variation here. And then a bunch of professional fishermen ask a carpenter <laughs> what they need to do, which doesn't make any sense either. Um, but Jesus gets up and calms the storm. Now, they had a plan, right? They had a plan of what they were going to do, and something happened. Was it storm season? Was it, was it design? Was it, I don't know what it was, but there was a storm, obviously. This shifted their plan. It changed what they were going to do. But what's interesting is they knew who was with them and they knew who was with them had power over the storm. They, at that moment, 
they had forgot about the plan to get across. They just wanted to not die <laughs> at that point. Everything had shifted at that point. Now they needed to know that someone was with them that could actually help them. The, the, the underlaying, I don't want to say underlaying, the, the paramount part of Christianity for us has to be that we know who we are and we know who the Father is in our lives and it has to be that relationship is the goal and it's not just to get people to get saved so that we can get them to a far off heaven. The reason There's nothing wrong with making plans. There's nothing wrong with being amb- ambitious. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. But we have to know that we carry someone with us all the time. We have to know that we have a loving Father. We have to know that we're sons before we can ever make or help anybody else understand that they are sons as well. I tell you, it's the easiest thing to give people good news. It's not hard. It's not difficult to, to give people good news. When you, if, if, you come, if you come across a bunch of money and you can share it with people, it's not hard to give somebody a couple hundred dollars or something. That's, that's pretty fun, actually. It's pretty neat. Like I said in the beginning, you have not been tasked to convict people of their sin. Our task has been to convict people of righteousness. <laughs> Our task has been to show people who they were created to be and to, and to pull out of them who God created them to be. This is the difference between having a plan and being able to adapt to different situations. <laughs> when, when we started, like I said in the beginning, when we, we started this whole project, I, I had a kind of a plan that was going, but God kind of worked it out in a different way that actually worked out better for me. If I would have taken that all on myself, I'm sure I would have hurt myself a lot more and I wouldn't have asked for as much help as I did. If I would have, if I would have hinged everything on me, which I did in my mind, in the back of my mind I really did, I thought this is not going to work because I can't do it. I, and I'm not being like arrogant. I'm, I'm being transparent because I really thought that I was going to be able to do it all. I'm, being, I was, I'm proving that I was ignorant, honestly. I can't even talk. In the back of my head, I thought, if, if I can't get this done, this isn't going to work, and I was really freaking out about it. Like, if, if I can't do it, and how many times have I told you guys it's not all about me, it's not all about you? How many times have I said that, and, and now I need to be reminded of it? What happened in this whole situation with me that I discovered was that, that same amazing Holy Spirit that leads me leads you guys too, because I seriously did not put out that much word for people to come help us. I did not, like you know, broadcast it or make like a group about it because that's what I normally do when I do like events and different things like that. It's like, I don't want to bother people, but you guys just showed up and did more than I could ever expected. Like, we went into the house just expecting to move some things. That second trip, Shane and AJ are ripping carpet up. Like, this is happening. We're doing this. Like, nonstop, we worked like morning till night moving stuff. And then Carolyn even came back like a day later and helped us move like two or three more trips. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine living the way that I used to live, thinking that my circumstances determined who I was. And that because something went a different way than I expected it to go, that God wasn't in it. Have y'all ever experienced that or thought that? This isn't going the way that I thought it should go, so I must be doing something wrong or God's not in it. But he constantly tells us, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in you. Where are you going to go that he is not? What are you going to do that he can't help you out with? 
when is my kid going to not fall and I'm not going to be there if I'm around them because I'm with them. I'm not going to help them get back up. When, when am I going to be angry at them when they make a mistake? Do I teach them? Do I lead them? Yeah, I teach them and I lead them. Is it all perfect and butterflies and puppy dogs? No, there's going to be hard times. We're living in a room all together. It's not perfect. I promise you. There are hard times. But they know that they're with me and they know that they're protected. They know that they're cared for. They know that they're loved. They know that no matter what, whether we have a house or not, whether it's upside down or if we live out of a truck, they know that they're going to be taken care of, right? Listen, if, 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 if you fall on hard times, and we've been up and down all over the spectrum, up and down, up and down, up and down, if you fall in a place where you think that you haven't planned to go, don't, don't blame God for it. <laughs> don't blame yourself for it. It's okay. He can get you out of it. But here's the thing. What happens when we make mistakes? What happens when we, uh, when we mess up? Our, our tendency is to run away from God, right? Our tendency is to go, okay, I messed up. He's not going to be happy with me. I need to get away. When we really, really need to do the exact opposite, we need to do what the disciples did and go straight to the carpenter. <laughs> hey, I, this is completely out of my control. The storm is completely out of my control. This whole move that we're going through is out of my control. I can't, I can't even pick anything up. When you move, that's kind of the big part of moving is being able to pick things up. That's a big part of it. Um, in the same way, I've got to provide for my family. My job requires me to be able to pick things up and to do things. I told the doctor, he asked me what I did for a living. I said, well, I'm in sales. I don't pick things up a lot, but I, I sit down in my truck a lot. And he was like, well, that's the worst position to be in. I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> I have to do it. And so I guess the, the, the main point, I know I rambled a lot towards the end here, but the, the main thing I guess I want to get to is don't, don't put so much emphasis on the circumstances that are around you. Don't even put so much emphasis on a, a plan that you may have because God's plan may be a little bit different than yours. It may be a lot different than yours. It may be the same. I don't know. But there is, there is a, um, a bit of a relational ebb and flow with the Holy Spirit as you walk through life, the same way you do in marriage with friends and family. When God sees that you're being dumb, honestly, <laughs> he can adjust that and go, okay, I'm gonna, I'll fill in for you here. Let me help you not make a stupid decision again kind of thing, right? When he sees you're going on the right path, he goes, okay, well, that's good. We're gonna, we'll, I, don't, I don't need to intervene constantly. That's why when a lot of times things are going good, you know, we don't necessarily thank the Lord, which we should. We're like, everything's going fine. He's like, yeah, we're good. Let's just keep going. We don't have to keep confirming it. We don't have to stop and pray every five minutes. Is everything okay? You sure? Everything seems okay. Haven't been struck by lightning. Nothing bad's happened in like three weeks. I must be doing the right thing. You know what I mean? We, we judge so much on everything that's going around us and not what's going on inside of us. So if you leave with anything, if you guys stand up with me, I'm going to pray for you. I know we're, we're, I'm rambling and I'm not, I'm not really getting anywhere now. So if you leave with anything, leave with this. The, you have a loving Father. No matter what's going on in your life, He is with you and you're with Him. Listen, it's not... It's not some afterthought that Jesus, that God reluctantly sent Jesus to die for, for you and for your sins. He thought about it from the very beginning. You have a loving Father. Jesus spent tons of time convincing his disciples of that. He spends tons of time renewing our minds to that reality that's already happened in our hearts if you've accepted him. So just receive it. The drive that you have, listen, I'm not saying don't do anything. That's what all, A lot of grace preachers just get bashed about not doing Oh, well, you just nobody does anything. No, do stuff. But why are you doing the things that you're doing? 
Find out who you are and then go do what you're called to do. But if you don't know who you are, you're never going to be able to do anything. You're going to be doing things and perpetually trying to perform for something that you already have. How, how futile <laughs> would it be to constantly beg and plead and fight and try to perform for something you already have? How ridiculous would that be? Walk, I always say out of this place, walk out of this place knowing who you are and whose you are and that the Holy Spirit is inside you. Father, we thank you for um, plans even when they get wrecked. (laughs) Father, we thank you that you're in the midst of them even when they don't work out the way that we think that they should. Father, thank you that you um, you can reveal to us truth even in the midst of our confusion. Lord, you can speak plainly. You can speak in parables. You can speak to us when we're ignorant. You can speak to us when we think that we're smarter than you. Lord, thank you for meeting us where we are. <laughs> Let me say that again. Thank you for meeting us where we are, Father, that, that we, can, we can have a relationship with you and we can in turn have relationships with other people and we can have big brothers and big sisters and we can have um, people that we love and can trust and we can have uh, genuine relationships with people where we can fail and we can admit it and we can succeed And people can be happy for us. And when other people succeed, we can be happy for them. That doesn't take anything away from us because we get our joy from you. Lord, our success is found in you. So Lord, thank you for your abundance and and your your never-ending joy, not laced with guilt or shame, but pure joy because you created it. Thank you for a sense of humor. Thank you for uh, laughter. And uh, you guys have a great day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.